Welcome to the Journey Together podcast with Josh and Anna. I'm Josh, by the way. Thank you for clarifying that. I just want to make sure that if you're just <laughs> listening to this, you're like, who has the deep voice? Hey, you guys, check us out on thejourneytogether.com. Yeah. Also, if you're watching on YouTube. Woo-woo. Hey, nice to see you. Yeah. And uh, we want to get to know you all. We want you all to get to know us. Uh, so, Josh, what is... Ooh, ooh, question for me today. ...your uh, most favorite trip you've ever been on? Um, I've had so many. I mean, is it going to be bad if it's not one with you? No, I'm okay with it. No feelings hurt. Okay. It would have to be my my Mount St. Helens trip. It was my Mount St. Helens because trip. Because it's iconic? Yeah, because it was a group of hilarious guys, but it was generational. We had two older gentlemen, one being my father and one being a close friend, Tom. And it was super funny because we had younger guys in the car. So we're in the car and we're driving and my dad's driving and my, my mom calls and I'll never forget it. My dad's about to get off the phone and Josh Workman goes, hey, 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 Ham. My dad's name's Ham, by the way. And so he goes, what? He goes, hey, what's, uh, what's Debbie wearing? And immediately everyone starts <laughs> losing it. And my dad's like, what? He says, why do you care? He goes, I'm just wondering. It was hilarious because it was this generational gap of humor Extremely awkward. Awkward, beyond awkward. <laughs> yes. But it was hilarious. And then all the things that we did, oh my, JV, I mean, we we saved the world. I mean, it was all sorts of things. So anyway. Nice. Favorite trip. I like it. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite trip? I uh, really enjoyed when we backpacked and summited Mount Whitney. Yes. It. The, the. when we summited. When we summited Mount yeah. Whitney. We've, uh, we've hiked it a few times, but there was only one we summited. Uh, it was it was so challenging, and we were so dirty and hungry <laughs> because we packed well, but not well enough food yeah. wise. We had just enough food. Yeah. Uh, but I remember coming off of it, off of the mountain, coming back. You know, after six days, because we went up the backside and thinking, I did it. Like I was really proud of myself. Yeah. I, I, so I enjoyed the huge challenge. accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was great. So well, I, that's one of my favorite. We are alluding to the fact that in a few weeks you're going to hear a podcast all about our adventures and how you can plan an adventure. So get ready for that. So it's going to be. You are a one. pro adventure planner. I uh, I have gotten pretty good at it. Yeah. Yes. So that's exciting. All right. Hey, today we're going to talk about a hot topic of sorts that actually. There's a lot of information out there, but not a lot of people are talking about it um, in a way of, of self-awareness. And I think that's the angle we're going with today of asking yourself, are you the mean spouse? You the mean spouse? Because we've learned in marriages with time and time again of, of talking with our friends, there's always this anger that kind of builds within one and man, it just, it's like a volcano. Sometimes it's longevity. It's not just short term, like, you know, spouts are like a volcano, but it's, there's moments where it's hard. And often it comes from failed expectations, Ooh. disappointments, yeah. that marriage is not what you thought it would be. Uh, our first year of marriage, we, <laughs> we had to work through all sorts of things. Some of our funny arguments, uh, you thought I used too much toilet paper. 
<laughs> and I wasn't used to having a female I, as a roommate. <laughs> I would take that toilet paper and I would say, "Oh, I'll show you how much toilet paper I can use." Um, that was that was a just a dazzling moment in our marriage. It was wonderful. We fought all, we fought over a lot of things that normal people would when transitioning into the moving in together. But then you can find as you move forward and you're not building your relationship together or communicating through uh, those hardships, having those hard conversations right. that uh, your attitude will show, your bad attitude or a wrong attitude right. will show to your spouse in those mundane, everyday tasks of life. I feel right. like that's where it really comes out. Right. Uh, then you can you get to the point where you're just not nice about anything. And we want that to change. Right. Um, our prayer is that your eyes are open to it, that out of this there is a, a self-examination yeah. to realize, oh, gosh, you know what? God, I need help. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I recognized that I had a terrible resting face. Do you know what a resting face is? Yes. What's a resting face? Just a face of just meanness. <laughs> it's your face when you're not doing anything, you're kind of zoned out, and it's just what, like when you're driving in your car. Show everyone okay. on YouTube what that face looked like. Okay, so I recognized I had a resting face, and it was kind of like this. Okay, so everyone that can't see this on YouTube <laughs> and you're listening, imagine... Half frown. Ronald McDonald just got his Happy Meal stomped. Really? By the burglar. You know what? That shows that you were born in the late 70s. You just Late everyone. 70s. Wow, you didn't even say the 80s. No, I'm you not weren't. even used to hearing the 70s. I know. You just said the 70s. Wow. What the Lord ministered to me about my resting face and and this might sound silly to you, but he said, "Anna, you're a daughter of God. <clears throat> you have my joy living on the inside of you. What are you representing to others?" And uh whenever they see you, you know, like you're just walking through the store and you look unhappy all the time. Uh, you're walking around, you're dry, like you just are constantly looking unhappy, like you've got a terrible attitude. And I said, you know, I recognized, oh my gosh, that's not who I am. And I don't want to live life that way. Uh, so I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to work on my resting face. So we're actually in a staff meeting at church. And I began to change it, not to look silly. Okay. I'm not walking around with like crazy, you know, Cheshire cat grin on my face all over the place. <laughs> but I recognized that I, did want to change um, because that's not the representation of my heart. Anyway, I'm in a staff meeting. One of our staff guys, they were like, what are you so happy about? And I realized my resting face has changed. Like, I'm so glad that he thought I was sitting there happy, not sitting there feeling, you know, defeated about life. I love it. I think, yeah, it's a paying attention to those mannerisms of what we're portraying out. I think it's important. We have to. So that's where it's like looking at, you know, you're sitting on the couch beside your loved one and you just have this like, man, defeated type of face. It's like, you no, know, show smile at each other. Right now, if you are beside your spouse, smile real big at them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really mean for us to do that right now, but it works. I love it. So I think the question that maybe presents itself is, do you have the right to be mad? at circumstances. And I'm going to say, yes, there's nothing wrong with this. 
But being upset, you know, with these instances, it, there's not a sin in that, but being controlled by your feelings is. And so we see Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And that's what we're working on. Well, and this is where a root of bitterness comes in to your marriage and uh, will cause all sorts of havoc. I realized we had a really hard conversation in our marriage uh, a couple of weeks ago. Joshua and I have had some tough conversations that lead to beautiful results over the years. We'll be married for 19 years this June, and I'm thankful for these conversations that we have because it means we're growing, we're stretching, we're working through tough stuff. He is, uh, you like to be quiet whenever we're in a disagreement, and I like to over-communicate when we're in a disagreement. We are we have a lot of similar interests, but our personalities, I'm pretty passionate and intense about life, and Joshua just likes to have a good time. So, so we have found ourselves... Again, if you're familiar with who I am and you listen to the first podcast, you recognize that I grew up in the woods. I'm not making any excuse, but I grew up by myself in the woods playing with my imaginary friends. Total excuse. Total. Excuse. No, I'm really, even even like, I mean, I, there, I don't like conflict. I don't like it. I enjoy just, I have a real, um, I have a shocking, like, I'm always shocked. Let me just say, it. I have a, sh- I, I'm shocked when people are mean and people are upset. You do realize conflict is a part of life. It whether, is. Like, you can't avoid it. I don't want to avoid it. But I'm I'm going to handle it. I'm going to handle it differently. Well, what I recognized in this conversation uh, that we're working through that we had a different perspective. And before I went to bed, we resolved what we were talking about. Um, I don't even remember what it was right now, but we resolved it. But I asked the Lord going to bed. I was like, God, what do I need to do to work on this with my attitude? Because I'm getting mad about little things right now. And, uh, and, I, and I don't want to. A part of recognizing uh, where you're at in your marriage with your attitudes is going to the Lord and asking Him to reveal, God, show me if there's any just wicked way. Show me if there's something in my heart that I need to correct. It's truly having a softened heart before the Lord. Yeah. And what God revealed to me was that I was not disciplining my thoughts towards past hurt or past conversations that we've had that I didn't feel were resolved. Right. And that I would always go back to something that would stir up, you know, the hornet's nest in my heart. And uh, and that was lingering in the back of my mind. And this is where as you walk through this, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to show you unresolved hurt unresolved pain, possible conversations you need to sit down and have with your spouse to come to a place of restoration. And and I even told you, I said, hey, I want you to know that I, I repented and that this is something that I am going before the Lord and working on, is disciplining my thoughts because I don't want past hurts that we have forgiven each other for to come up, and that's why I have a mean, bad attitude. Yeah, but let me, let me define this just for... You're not, you're not mean-natured. Thank you. 
Yeah, I mean, you're no. not. The, this is not a good versus evil. By the way, we're not trying to present a, uh, an image where it's like you know you got Lex Luthor and Superman, and this is like because that's where the world always creates like this division of sorts within one. One's a nice spouse and one's a mean spouse. One's spicy and one's not. I mean, you know, are you a little more spicier than me? Sure, but I'm not. But you're not the mean one. No, I, well, thank you. No, I'm not. But I, I love the Lord, and I don't want to live that way. <laughs> you know, right? I think that's where often uh, I've called this the angry woman syndrome in marriage, where women don't even recognize they're angry, and they walk around mad all the time because marriage wasn't what they thought it would be, or they they've had disappointments and failed expectations, yeah. and now they're just mad at everything. And that you need a Holy Ghost wake-up call. Um, when you have a revelation of that, of, oh, goodness gracious, what kind of fruit am I bearing right. with my marriage? And if you realize you're not, and the Holy Spirit so lovingly, He never condemns. That's not who God is. No. He convicts so that we can enjoy the journey with our spouse, and, and even on those hard days, work through it. Godly, yeah. How I, about how about godliness? Maybe right. we should just talk about that. You know, it's yeah. I, you know, my I'm sitting here and I'm I'm anticipating who's listening to this and who would be the one because I <clears throat> I mean I would argue. I, let me let me ask the question. So I'm asking you, like, do you believe right now? There's people that are listening that do you deal with anger. But I know there's people who are listening right now who are like, I have, I have a spouse who's narcissistic. I have a spouse <clears throat> who deals with substance abuse to cope with disappointment, and therefore then it transpires over into our marriage of just, just bitterness, anger, never a nice word, always corrective, always never good enough. And I don't know if that spouse is listening. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, because... They're not even in the position to recognize, I need to work on myself. So I think, so what we want to help out today is, let's, let's lay the, the, the foundation, which we did just a second ago by reading scripture, but let's read one more scripture just to lay out the, the foundation of how it's not good to walk in anger, how it's not good to have this type of temperament. So it's James chapter 1, 19 through 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So there's the foundation. Having the being controlled by your emotions is not good. So if you are experiencing that, this is where you need to walk in love. You need to walk in forgiveness. You need to identify. And that's what we've been talking about of saying, Am I the mean one? Am I be am I holding on to something longer than I should? So I need to let go of this. I need to go and seek resti re resolution with my spouse and or even with any any individual outside of this by the way if you're dealing with anger outside of the marriage but but for for us we want you to identify you know what I need to walk in I need to walk in forgiveness I need to find a way to to resolve the situation where was the disappointment? Why am I acting this way? Do it. 
Now, if you're dealing with a mean spouse, how to handle this is important. How, what, how would you go about shifting their perspective? So what is something you would, we would say right now? What would, you, what would you encourage people to do? You really need to get to the right resources. And uh, there, that, that is coming to a place of possibly needing professional uh, counsel and help that, uh, that will help you and instruct you on how to um, set boundaries with a spouse that is dealing um, with, with their own issues. And we've, we've got to realize you're not alone in this. And there are people out there that want to help you. Yeah. You are not alone. And we don't want you to feel hopeless. And often you get in those places and you're hopeless. Yeah. You don't know what to do. And my, my encouragement is to reach out and get help. And that God has a strategic plan yep. to help you yeah. um, for for you and your spouse, and our prayer is that they will receive the help that they need as well out of this. But, um, but there is hope, and nothing is too hard for God, and He wants to help you right where you're at today. Um, and He will give you a plan, and He will bring in the right people. Often we get to that place where then we don't even know what to pray. Uh, you don't even want to pray for your spouse, or you're you're just so hurt. Yeah. And I think this is where, in that time of of examining your own heart, it's all right, God. I need help. Yeah. I I don't want to live this way of of constantly living in resentment. And that's something I I have here of Jesus on the cross when he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Uh, is a beautiful picture of not living in bitterness or anger and not allowing resentment to take a hold of you. So when we allow resentment to settle in, then we push Christ-like compassion to the side. And then it's challenging to see that person the way Jesus sees them. So you no longer see God's picture for your life. You then focus on the hurt and the pain, which is real, which is very real. Mm -hmm. But resentment is the villain to God's restoration for for your life. Uh, and it's actually poisoning you from receiving your healing and walking in your God-given purpose. And God's plan for resentment is that supernatural peace, Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Um, and, you know, resentment always hurts the other person more than it even hurts you because it's it just is a constant cycle of of pain. Um, so my prayer, even out of this today, if you recognize, oh my gosh, I am dealing with resentment, that that no matter what you're facing, that God wants to heal that, and that Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace, and His supernatural peace passes all understanding, and then it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus, and help you to release that, and be able to walk forward in the love of Christ. Yeah. I mean, it all begins with prayer because you gotta, you have to recognize that people can't change people. We can influence, and we can we can encourage, we can discourage, but God is the ultimate changer. God can come in and change people in such a way. So you may believe that, you know, focusing on everybody else is the, you know, is the ultimate thing you should be doing, but. <clears throat> Begin with yourself right now. If you have a mean spouse and you want to see them change, begin with yourself. Maybe God can show you. When I say maybe, 
I mean it. God can show you things that will tweak, because you can be an instrument for noble purpose in your marriage. And as you begin to allow God to shift you and doing certain things, who knows, you could change the environment which ultimately leads to God being able to move into that room and just change your spouse where something unique will take place. I'm not, I don't know what that example is exactly, but I know how God works, that God can come in and just change your spouse in such a way. Because you you may just think that the way to change them is just point at them and say, you're bad, you're wrong, you're this, and... It's not very helpful. No, and when you separate yourself from the situation and begin to pray and take authority, you have authority in the name of Jesus. Yep. So that's where that comes in, where you st- then you then you are allowing God to come in and do a supernatural work. So when you separate yourself and you say, okay, God, this is, this is terrible. You get real honest with the Lord. Right now, I take authority over this spirit of strife in Jesus' name, or I take authority over this rebellious spirit, whatever it is that you're dealing with in your home, and you recognize, uh, Holy Spirit, I need you to come in and move and have your way. Show me how to love them. Show me how to minister to them. What can I say? Yeah. And uh, and God, you move on their behalf. Remove the blinders in Jesus' name. Soften their heart. As, Lord, as you're softening my heart, soften their heart. Uh, God, send ministering angels to minister to them. Send other people to minister to them. This is where we've, we really need to recognize that uh, God wants us to take every bit of this to Him and to ask for His help and to take authority over the situation in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, that's number one. Yeah. It's tough. Dealing with the mean spouse, we've seen it. We've seen where uh, a mean spouse is, is always critical. It's always critical. If you're critical, change that. If, I'm, if you're like, man, I do, I'm always critical towards my spouse. Like, that needs to change. These are signs of you being the mean spouse. Always critical, never good enough. The bar is way too high. It's always looking down the street of what the Joneses are doing. You're never satisfied. You're, you're the one who puts all the responsibility on the other spouse to have fun, to plan things. Like there's not a participation. There's not a, a balance of what needs to be done in the house. It's, it's very demanding. So it's those types of signals that you go, I need to change this. I, it's I'm the one who's always critical. And God will help you change. Right now, if you're dealing with the spouse and you're sitting here going, man, my spouse is always critical. My spouse is always these things. Be careful. We know Matthew chapter seven, you know, the splinter and the plank. So that's why we said earlier, let's, you need to pray, God, resolve in me what I need to do. And Lord, if my spouse is, if they're the one, I always start with, if I'm the conflict, if I'm the person Lord, start, I, I start with me first in that prayer. And then I say, now, Lord, if there's something that needs to change in their life, God, please change their hearts. Show them what they need to do to resolve the issue. And in order to change, you have to make a change. Yep. This isn't just talking about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our first year of marriage, every time I got mad at Josh, <clears throat> I wanted to just yell at him like he was my brother, okay? 
and it was terrible. I actually went to my pastor. My parents are my pastors, so I went to my mom, and I and I recognized I'm doing this, and I hate it. I did not want to have a household uh, where I just yelled every time I got mad. And these are bad habits. And it could be that you grew up in a household where your parents yelled. It's what you saw. It's what you knew. Uh, it could be you're naturally you just when you get angry you get real angry. But these are these are areas in our life that we can commit to the to the Lord and the Holy Spirit will help us to to change yeah. and to grow. And my mom said, "Okay." And my mom is uh, the nicest woman I know. I uh, and she she was a great person to go to to help me um, and what to do. And she goes, "All right." She goes, "No matter what, over the next uh, so many weeks, no matter what takes place, because we were we had a lot on our plate." And I would get mad when you came home late. You were working on your communication with me. Well, we were learning how to be married. Yes. So they're really we we I we were not extending grace very well at that time. Um, we just weren't thinking about it. Probably. No, I mean it I was admit, all new. I admit faults. I mean there was a, you know, when you you're single male and you have, I mean I was for six years graduating high school. Excuse me, <clears throat> graduating high school. I mean, it had been, I think it was six six years, I guess, right? Six, seven, seven years. Seven years. Seven years of being single and doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, you know? And then to get married and to then fall back into that, I need to be responsible to tell my spouse what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, why, you know, can, basically being on the same page and asking not for permission, per, per se, I mean, obviously there's some permission in it involved, but it's just involving. Living life together, right, right. Yeah, involving. Right. So I took the next several weeks, she said, I want you, no matter what happens, that you will not say a thing, even if he's wrong. Do you know how hard that is? And you know your flesh does not want to do that. So I say this because you're like, well, what if he was wrong and you needed to tell him <laughs> something? That's not what this was about. I was arguing over over dumb things that, sure, we needed to talk about, and we were going to. We were just married. But I needed to correct some areas in my life so that we could begin to communicate uh, on a greater scale <laughs> and grow. And that's where we are saying you are accountable to the Lord on your actions with your spouse. Yeah. You're accountable to God on how you're treating your spouse and when you correct that and those attitudes and you submit your attitudes to the Lord and, and say, okay, I'm going to crucify my flesh. Holy Spirit, help me. Uh, I, it it's a game changer because he wants to help you. Yeah. He is cheering your marriage on. <laughs> he doesn't want you. God did not put you and your spouse together for you to argue and fight all the time right. and not enjoy life. So that means that he has a plan and that if you need to read 1 Corinthians 13, which I encourage you to do, uh, about his love in your life, that is on my list of what I meditate on with our marriage, uh, the greatest gift. And as you read 1 Corinthians 13 and really see a picture of the love of Christ, then you're planting that word in your heart and you recognize, oh, you know what? Love doesn't keep account of my spouse's wrongs. You know, love believes the best. Like the Lord paints this beautiful picture of how to love your spouse. 
And uh, and that was a turning point for me in our first year. Was I perfect at it? No, none of us are perfect. But is it something in the forefront of my mind where as we've continued that now when we argue, we, we get through it quick. We get through our arguments fairly fast um, because we've both made a decision that we love God and we love each other and we don't want to live. I don't want to harbor anything. In a place of meanness. Yeah, I don't no. want to have that on me. No, I don't either. Yeah, I think... So, I, you know, dealing with yourself and asking the questions, if you're the mean spouse, is first and foremost. And then moving past that to say, how do I love through my mean spouse? If I have a mean spouse, you know, those are difficult things. You know, in a few weeks... We're, we're, we have another podcast coming out that deals with conflict, of how to deal with conflict and conflict resolution. And, 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 and you know, obviously there's going to be communication that's really important through that process. And we'll explain that later. I don't want to get into it. But just know that in these moments that you are feeling bitterness and anger, like it is so important to quickly go to the individual rather than harboring what you've experienced, yes. letting it sit on you, and then you become the mean spouse because now you're acting upon your disappointment. You're acting upon your anger. So I'd like to finish it with this scripture right here. Yeah, I've got four things I want to say. Well, then go ahead. Go for the okay. four things then. And then one thing on top of my four things. <laughs> okay, go. It's never okay to name call. Okay. It is never okay. to it. I think we just need to straight up clarify there is no reason for you to call your spouse names or be mean. <laughs> I mean, let's just, maybe we should have said that at the beginning. Some people think this is okay behavior. Yeah. It's not okay. If you found yourself in some bad habits of, uh, of just mean words, I mean, one thing that we've said in our marriage that, that we've set a boundary of not threatening each other right. with divorce with hard things. Um, I'm the one typically that would go down the pit of saying things that I don't really mean, but when I get angry, and it's something I've really had to ask the Lord's help with whenever we get to those places. And then I'll look at you and I go, I don't mean it, but it doesn't mean I should still say it. Yeah. So um, anyway, all right, four things. You'll never go wrong loving on your spouse. You'll never go wrong That's good. loving on them. You will never go wrong serving your spouse. You will never go wrong encouraging your spouse. And you'll never go wrong forgiving your spouse. That's good. These are my personal notes um, that that as I am thinking about our marriage, that I'll write down, Anna, you're never going to go wrong doing this. And you put it in the forefront of your mind because this is this is God's best for our life. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me wrap it up with this. These, these few verses here. Romans chapter 12, 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies, enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, I'm not saying that my spouse is my enemy. 
Because <laughs> you could read that scripture and be like, yeah, that's right. He's saying it. They're, they're, they're really, they're my you know, number one enemy. It's not, not the case. But what I am saying is the behavior that the scriptures are encouraging us to, to place upon our lives is to do things with love. To do it, do not try to fight evil with evil. If, if you're dealing with that in your heart, let it go. Let it go. Be set free from that and begin to love again. Begin to express how you feel with love, not anger. Yeah. Make it happen. The love of God is always the way to victory. Yeah. Every single time. We will never miss it loving our spouse in the love of God. Yeah. And I'm thankful that his love is uh, shed abroad in our heart by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit helps us to love to love in the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we need him. We need his help. Yep, that's it. All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You guys are awesome. We'll see you guys next week. Let's Bye. do it.